We're going to be learning the Hamedrish Vahamasa on Parshas Tetzave. The Medrash at the beginning of the Parsha makes a very strange comment. It says that Hashem compares the Jews to a Yonah, a dove, just like the dove brings light because it came back to Yonah right as the sun was setting, so too the Jews bring light to the world, and that's what the Torah says, Ve'atatetzave. And then it goes on to talk about lighting the menorah, bringing light. So obviously this is a very strange Medrash, and we have to understand why it's comparing the Jews lighting the menorah to Yonah and the dove. So the HaMedrash Vahamasa explains based on another Medrash in Eicha about this story of Yonah and the dove. The Torah says that the dove returned because the Yonah couldn't find anywhere to rest on earth to live because there was still water. So the Medrash comments if the dove had found somewhere to live it would not have returned to Yonah. And that's similar to what it says in Eicha, he Yoshva Bagoyim Lomatzamanoach, that the Jews never found rest in exile because Ilumatsu Loha Yuchosrin. Had the Jews found rest in their exile amongst the non Jews, then they would not have returned to Yerushalayim. So just like the Yonah couldn't find anywhere to live, and that's why it came back to Noach, the Jews could never find anywhere to settle in, and that's why they always want to come back to Yerushalayim. So that Medrash Vamasa offers a beautiful explanation of this Medrash. He says, imagine the situation from Noah's perspective. At first, when the Yonah returned, he must have been disappointed because he was hoping that the water had totally receded and they could leave the Teva. And now the Yonah is returning, so that means the water is still there and he's still stuck on the Teva. So originally, he must have been disappointed. But upon further reflection, he would have realized that it's actually good that the Yonah returned to him. Because the Torah says that the Yonah returned with an olive branch in its mouth. So the Gemara explains that the Yonah was saying, I'd rather be supported from Hashem with a bitter olive branch than even the most sweet food given to me from someone else. Meaning the Yonah is a very self-sufficient animal and it does not want gifts from anybody. So even though the Yonah had the option to get great food served by Noah on the Teva, it would have chosen to make its own way in the world and eat bitter olive branches or not have the best meals so long as it was being self-sufficient. So that's why if the water had receded and there was dry land, the Yonah would never have returned to the Teva. It would have gone off in the world and made its way. So in fact, the Yonah was not going to return to Noah with a message that the water had receded. There were really only two options. Either the Yonah was going to return because the water had not fully receded, or the Yonah was going to just go on its way and make its way in the world because the Yonah wants to be self-sufficient. And if it could have lived in any way on its own, then it would not have returned to the Teva. Now, if the Yonah had not returned, then Noah would not have known that the water had receded because it's possible that the opposite happened. Maybe the water is still so violent that it killed the Yonah. It got the dove and the dove was unable to survive. So if the Yonah had not returned, then Noah would not have known the answer to his question whether the water was still out there or not. 
But now that it returned, so now he actually did get an answer to his question, which is that the water had not receded. So the Yonah returning on the one hand was aggravating for Noah because it told him that it's not time to leave the Teva yet. On the other hand, it was helpful because it gave him real information and he chose to wait another seven days and try again. So he had some hope that maybe the next time it would go better. So this is the metaphor that the Medrash is comparing to the Jews in exile. When the non-Jews are anti-Semitic and mistreat the Jews in exile, so obviously on the surface, Surface, that's upsetting. It's a bad thing. But if we reflect on it further, says the Hamedrish Vahamasa, we'll see that there is a benefit to all of this oppression. Because when the non Jews oppress the Jews, so even though physically it's harmful, but spiritually it forces the Jews to step back from the dominant culture and to stay together and to remain Jews and to become even more spiritually charged. And that makes us want to return to Yerushalayim, and it gives us hope in the future that we're going to leave this exile. Exactly the reaction that Noah had, that even though things right now are not settled, but maybe in the future the water will recede and he'll be able to leave the Teva. So the anti-Semitism that Jews experience in exile is on the surface bad, but there is a benefit to it on a deeper level. And that Medrash Ramasa says that there's another Medrash that says almost the same thing. It says that the Jews are compared to an olive. Just like an olive gets dragged from its tree to the pressing area and it gets smashed and stepped on and rocks put on it and only then it gives off its oil. So the same is true of the Jews. They get schlepped from place to place and they get smashed and hurt in all sorts of ways and only then do they do teshuva. So this is the same message. It's comparing the Jews to an olive that again the oppression that we go through is what brings out the best in us. And that could could be why the menorah is lit specifically from olive oil to reference this metaphor between the Jews and the olive. So says the Medrash said this is also what the Medrash is trying to say with the metaphor to the Yonah. That just like the Yonah only returned to Noah because there was a difficult situation, because there was water and it wasn't able to settle down. So the same is true of the Jews that they bring forth their light when there is a difficult situation. And that's what the Torah means to say that we light the menorah from the Shemen Zayis, the olive oil, which again all fits in with the same metaphor. So this is a very nice idea about how the suffering of Jewish history also helped us to become the great spiritual nation and force and power that we are. Now the HaMedrash Ramasa suggests another explanation of this Medrash, and this also has to do with anti-Semitism. He begins this idea with a discussion of Moshe's leadership. Moshe made a mistake, which according to the Rambam was his big sin, that he got angry at the Jews. He says, Shimunah HaMorim. He gets very upset with them. So the HaMedrash Ramasa says that if we look at this from Moshe's perspective, it's very difficult for a communal leader who gives his heart and soul, is constantly working on behalf of the community and the people don't appreciate him at all. So that becomes a very difficult situation. But in addition to that, if the people actually cause harm to this leader, so that becomes even more difficult because here they are giving themselves to the community and the community is harming them in return. So he says that Moshe had four experiences where he was confronted with this situation. The first is when he returned to Egypt to free the Jews. So he had traveled 
traveled this whole arduous, difficult, dangerous journey to get back to them. And they get upset with what he's doing and they say, Yera Hashem v'yishpot. Let Hashem judge what you're doing. So that was the first very difficult situation. Then Moshe takes them out of Egypt. So now they know him. They know his power. They know how great a leader he is. And he tells them not to go pick the man on Shabbos and people go out and do so. So now this is even worse because they know that Moshe is an incredible leader. They know him and they're choosing willfully to disregard what he says. Then it gets even worse when Korach and his group rebel against Moshe because they question Moshe's authority to leadership completely. So that's a direct attack against everything that Moshe has been doing. And then finally, it gets even worse when the people complain about the food because according to the Medrash, the people were trying to stone Moshe and Aaron. So here they're actually even trying to attack him physically. So these are the four stages of Moshe's challenges in leadership, each one getting successively more difficult. So this is why Moshe at the end of all this gets angry. It's not hard to understand how much frustration he must have had at that moment. And the Medrash says that he had kept it under control for 40 years. He didn't get angry. And then at the end, he makes this one small mistake and still he gets punished because someone on Moshe's caliber can't make even the smallest mistake. So when he let out even a little bit of anger after all these decades of frustration, he was still punished very severely. But that shows us the level on which Moshe was operating, that this was his entire reaction after all these challenges and communal difficulties. And even though Moshe was now punished, that he was not going to enter into Israel, even so, Moshe didn't stop trying to benefit the people, his community that he cared about. And when they went to war with Midian, even though Moshe knew that if they won that, that was going to bring his death because now they were going to head into Israel. Even so, Moshe did his best to help them win that war. And then he tries to help them get into Israel, even at his own personal sacrifice. So this is the image that the Torah gives us of Moshe, of true Jewish leadership from a tzaddik, that his whole purpose is to benefit the people, even at his own cost, and even despite a lot of challenges and them frustrating him. And this is the sense that we get from Moshe, even from the very beginning of his career, he goes out and he sees a Jew being struck and he immediately saves the Jew at his own cost. He has to run, but he killed the Egyptian to protect the Jew. So this is the whole theme that the Torah develops with regards to Moshe. Now, the contrast to this is another figure, Dustin and Aviram, who are always brought up in the Midrashim as the contrast to Moshe. So the Midrash says that when Moshe saw the two Jews fighting, that was Dasan and Aviram. And Dasan was actually the Jew that Moshe had saved yesterday from the Egyptian. And Dasan was also one of the Jewish policemen. So that day, Moshe goes out and he sees the Jew, Dasan, that he saved yesterday, now hitting Aviram, and he stands up for Aviram, and that's when Dasan threatens to reveal that Moshe killed the Egyptian. And he knew, because he was there, he was the one that was saved by Moshe. So the 
the Hamedrash Vamasa wants to understand why, in fact, did Paro have a Jewish police force? We don't find that type of thing in any of the other anti-Semites throughout history. They never set up a Jewish police force to police the Jews. The Nazis had a little bit that within the ghettos, but here Paro seems to have had a Jewish police force enforcing his rules as opposed to his own Egyptian army. So what was the point of that? So the Hamedrish Vamasa explains with a penetrating insight. He says that psychologically, when people suffer together, that brings them much closer together. There's a very powerful relationship that develops between two people who suffer together. But there's also another aspect to this, which is that people also have an incredible capacity for cruelty, and they enjoy watching those beneath them suffering terribly. And he points to the ancient world where the Romans and people like that would take captives and put them with vicious wild animals. And of course, the captive would suffer terribly. And sometimes they would starve the animals to make the animal even more ferocious and vicious. And people would gather to watch the killing of these captives. So people have an incredible capacity to enjoy the suffering and cruelty towards other people. So that was Paro's plan. He realized that when people are suffering, So they do connect with their fellow sufferers. But on the other hand, they also develop a cruelty streak because they feel like they're being mistreated so badly. So anyone that's under their control, they treat even worse. So Paro realized that if he took the Jews and divided them into groups and he gave some of the Jews authority over other Jews, so then those Jewish policemen would be even more cruel than the Egyptian policemen because the Jewish policemen were suffering themselves. They were under the slavery of the Egyptians. And then when they got people under them, they would be incredibly cruel to those people just for the sake of cruelty. So that's why Paro appointed this Jewish police force. It wasn't to benefit the Jews. It was the exact opposite. It caused even more cruelty because these Jewish policemen oppressed the Jews under them more than the Egyptians would have. So this is the situation that Moshe sees, that Paro's plan is working and Dasan, the policeman, is hitting Aviram, a Jew who's under him, because Dasan himself was hit the day before. So Paro's plan is working. Now, Moshe is the exact opposite of this because here he grew up in the king's palace and says that very often when Jews reach a certain political power or they feel elite, so they abandon the Jews that are under them. They don't want to get dragged down with the rest of the Jewish people. And Moshe could have easily just grown up as a prince and lived his own life filled with power and prestige. But Moshe is the exact opposite. He never loses his connection with the Jews. Jews by Yarbisivlosam, he's totally consumed by the suffering of the Jewish slaves, even though he himself is living in the palace. So when Moshe comes out and he sees Dasan hitting Aviram, so this is the very opposite of everything that Moshe stands for. Even though he lives a privileged life, he's totally consumed with the suffering of his fellow Jews. And here he sees Dasan who was being oppressed yesterday and now he's hitting Aviram. So Moshe says to him, Russia, you're a wicked person because instead of the suffering making you a gentler, kinder person and feeling 
being more connected and compassionate to the Jews, you use it as an excuse to hit the Jews. So that's why Moshe gets upset. Now, the truth is that this was a test to see whether Moshe would continue to feel compassionate and connected for the Jews, even when he saw this dark side of them. So it's one thing in the abstract to just think that you're part of the Jews and you care about their suffering. But what about in this case where you see an actually wicked Jew hitting another Jew? Would Moshe continue to identify so strongly with the Jewish people? And he continued to do so. So he was the right person to be the leader. Now, the Hamedrash Vamasa concludes this part by pointing out that the Torah says that most of the Jewish policemen did not fall for Paro's plan. And in fact, they protected the Jews under them. It was really only Dasan who became wicked and used his authority to take out his aggression and anger on the people under him. But says the Amedrash Vamasa, unfortunately, in his times, there are all sorts of Jews who get positions of authority and they follow in the path of Dasan and they use it to oppress the Jews and they disconnect, they stop identifying as being part of the Jews and trying to help them. Now, part of Paro's plan in having the Jewish policemen oppress the Jews was not only to cause the Jews suffering, but it was also to justify his own anti-Semitism. This is one of the themes of the Hamedrash Vamasa that anti-Semites don't say we're doing the wrong thing because we want to hurt Jews, but they always have to come up with an excuse. It's the Jews' fault. They deserve this. They're not good people, and we're doing the right thing. We're helping the world by getting rid of the Jews. So Paro was also trying to vilify the Jews, and part of his plan was to have these Jewish policemen who would be so cruel, and then Paro could say, look how cruel Jewish nature is, so that's why we have to oppress them. Says the Hamedrash Vamasa, Haman also tried to follow a similar plan. The Gemara tells that Haman badmouthed the Jews, he vilified them to Achashverosh to be able to try to kill them all. So one of Haman's complaints is that the Jews don't follow the mitzvahs and they don't study Torah properly. So says the Hamedrash Ramasa, this is a very strange claim that Achashverosh and Haman are planning to kill the Jews because they don't follow the mitzvahs and the Torah. What would they care about any of that? So the Hamedrash Ramasa explains that anti-Semitism generally comes in two forms. Either they say that they hate the Jewish religion, so they want to destroy the Jews because they're opposed to their religion. But he says that as the nations became more sophisticated, so that was not something that you should say. It's not considered proper to kill people for their belief. So now they shifted it and the anti-Semites will say that they want to destroy the Jews because they're too clever and powerful and crafty and they run too many things. It's like we hear nowadays that the Jews control the media or they control Wall Street. So that became the new excuse for anti-Semitism. But says the Amedrash Vamasa, Haman was even more elite and sophisticated than any of these groups. And he didn't feel that it was proper to go after the Jews either because of their religion or because they're supposedly too successful. So Haman came up with a new plan to vilify the Jews, to say that he's going against the Jews because they're such bad, rotten people that for the good of the nation, he and Achashverosh have to get rid of them. So that's what Haman is saying according to the Hamedrash Vahamasa's interpretation of the Gemara. He's saying, don't think that I'm against the Jews because of their religion. Because the truth is, they don't even really keep the mitzvahs. So there's nothing to oppose in terms of their religion. And don't think it's because 
because they're too successful, that's why I hate them, because they don't really have rabbis, scholars. So they're not all that intelligent. So Haman's argument is my anti-Semitism is not because of those two reasons, because of the Jewish religion or because they're so intelligent. So says Haman, the reason I hate the Jews is because there are people that are spread out amongst the nations. And this is the exact plan that the Hamedrash Vahamasa attributed to Paro. Haman says the same thing, that the Jews are in exile and normal people would be brought together together by their shared suffering. But says Haman, these Jews are such a lowly group that they're spread out. They don't even get along with each other, even though they're all suffering in exile. And they still have all sorts of divisions. They still go after each other and fight with each other. They didn't come together and get connected through their shared suffering. So you see what an awful group of people this is. And that's why, says Haman, we have to get rid of them. So again, Haman follows in the path of anti-Semites to try to vilify the Jews to justify why what he's doing is right. Now, the Hamedrish Vahamasa responds to Haman's claim, and he says that unfortunately, Haman got us at our weakest spot. That is exactly the weakness of the Jews, that unfortunately, there is division amongst us, even though we should all pull together and stand up for each other. But, says the Hamedrish Vahamasa, the situation is nowhere near as bad as Haman portrayed it. Because just like in Egypt, when Paro tried to pit the Jewish policemen against the underlings, and it was only one policeman, Dasan, who fell for it, but the rest of the Jewish policemen stood up for the Jews, so the same was true in Haman's time. Yes, there was some division amongst the Jews, but as soon as Haman's decree went public, the Jews immediately pulled back together, and Esther says, Lech kenosas kol go gather all the Jews. So even though there was some division, but Ultimately, the Jews were together, and as soon as they were threatened, they came back together and they stood up for each other and they davened and they did teshuva all as one nation. So again, Haman had misrepresented what was going on. He picked up on a small amount of division, which is also a problem that there's any fighting amongst the Jews or that even one Jewish policeman would mistreat Jews. All of these are a problem. But ultimately, there was much more unity and there was much more goodness in the Jewish people than these anti-Semites allow for. And that's why the Jews are able to pull it together and get redeemed. So that's the downfall of Paro and Haman because they ultimately don't recognize how great the Jewish people are and how much unity there is. So this is the plan of anti-Semites that they zero in on some of the small failings of the Jewish people and they magnify it as if because of these small issues, the Jews as a whole are a terrible people and they deserve to be destroyed. But the truth is, of course, nowhere near what they're saying. The Jews are a wonderful people and the anti-Semites are just looking for excuses to allow their own wickedness. And Ahmedrish Vahamasa says that many great people have already agreed that the measure of a moral and upright just society, if you want to evaluate whether a country is doing well, it's how they treat the Jews. Because if they're mistreating the Jews, it means they're falling for these types of excuses to be able to mistreat the Jews. 
And if they're treating them well, then it means that this is truly a moral and just society. So the redemption of the world will come about when the Jews are able to live in peace and not be harassed and oppressed by the anti-Semites. So now the Medrash Ramasa comes all the way back to the original Medrash that Hashem compares the Jews to the Yonah, just like the Yonah brings light to the world. Meaning in the story of Noah, when he saw that Yonah returning, it brought a message of hope to him, that the water was not as violent, it had begun to recede. So the Yonah brought back a message of hope for the whole world for the future. So too the Jews are like the dove, that when the Jews are able to live at peace and they're not being oppressed, that will be a message of hope for the whole world, that the world has now stopped being a place of immorality where people are allowed to go after groups of people they don't like, but now it's a comfortable, safe place for everybody to be able to live. So this is another very beautiful idea and a very beautiful, insightful discussion of the nature of anti-Semitism and how it tries to vilify the Jews by focusing on a few small little failings and making it out to be a huge problem that the Jews deserve to be destroyed over when in fact it's just a very small issue and the Jews ultimately are a wonderful group of people and the morality of the world will come when the Jews are able to live at peace and the nations are happy to welcome them.